Hey there, John Morris here, johnmorrisonline.com. Welcome back to another episode of The John Morris Show. So we're going to do another Bitcoin episode here since it still seems to be a big topic right now. And and the question I want to answer is, is Bitcoin in a bubble? And I'm going to give you my opinion, but I also want to give you some tools for you to be able to analyze it for yourself and make your own decisions and also be able to other to analyze other financial assets and be able to determine if they're in a bubble or not and understand what all these ideas are. Because while it might not be a strictly tech topic, we all live in this world and we're all striving towards a better life and money is a part of that. And a little financial literacy is going to help us in that sense. There are things that you can take advantage of or watch out for when it comes to all of this stuff. And I imagine some of you have been eyeballing Bitcoin a little bit. And so I just want to give you some of what I know and then you can kind of take it from there. Now, obviously, I'm not a financial advisor. So full disclaimer, everything I say is just my opinion and is for informational purposes only. It's not intended to be investment advice, and you should seek a duly licensed professional for investment advice. All right, with that out of the way, before I get into answering this question, I also want to encourage you to head on over to store.johnmorrisonline.com for all your coding training needs. I have several different courses over there that I think will help you along your path, especially if you're interested in PHP. I have my PHP 101 course. I have my... Pro- uh, object-oriented programming course, login script course, form course, and a number, of, a number of other smaller courses and source code products that you can get access to over there. So store.johnmorrisonline.com. Use the coupon code JMO for 20% off anything in the store. Also, as I've mentioned on the last few podcasts, the podcast is now available on TuneIn. So if you go to johnmorrisshow.com, you'll now see an option to subscribe over on TuneIn. Also allow you to listen on a number of extra devices, including the Amazon Alexa, and I imagine several others. And I imagine some of this Google Home is going to come along here soon and have TuneIn on it as well. So you can check that out. Ask Alexa to listen to the John Morris Show. I'd love to hear how that actually goes for you. I'm sure it's at first going to take a little bit for it to be able to click click through properly, but eventually it should get there. All right, so with that out of the way, let's go ahead and get into this. So the first thing I think that you need to, to answer when you want to ask if Bitcoin is, is, a, uh, is in a bubble is what is a bubble, right? A lot of people talk about this, but have we actually properly defined it? Do we know the definition of a bubble? So I'm I'm pulling a lot all this information actually from Investopedia and I if you haven't checked out Investopedia I highly recommend it it helps clarify terms and explain a lot of financial concepts and terms and so forth to you so it's a really good resource if you want to get into any of this stuff but as defined on Investopedia and I've heard similar definitions when I listen to the you know the different pod, financial podcasts I listen to and shows and so forth. So this I think this is a pretty standard definition. But the term bubble in the financial context, and this is quoting from Investopedia, the term bubble in the financial context generally refers to a situation where the price for an asset exceeds its fundamental value by a large margin. During a bubble, prices for a financial asset or asset class are highly inflated 
bearing little relation to the intrinsic value of the asset. So the question to ask yourself is, does the price of Bitcoin exceed its fundamental value by a large margin? And if you listen to anybody on this topic on either side, this really is the debate. This is what it all comes down to. Because that's, the, that's really the question about Bitcoin. What is the fundamental intrinsic value of a Bitcoin? Now, those people who are down on Bitcoin will tell you that there is no fundamental intrinsic value of a Bitcoin. Even people who understand the technology will say that there's value, inherent value maybe in the blockchain, but that's not what a Bitcoin is. Uh, Bitcoin is really separate. It's a reward for mining and, and, and maintaining uh, the, the blockchain. It's not actually the blockchain. And so, again, that's the, the fundamental question. They'll tell you, again, people down on it will tell you that there is no intrinsic value, and that's the problem. Whereas people who tend to support Bitcoin will tell you that the intrinsic value, it's a mix of things. I think the two that I hear most are its utility, so its ability to be able to transact with anyone anywhere, the, the second big one is people actually talk about the, the computational power necessary to mine Bitcoins. So it's actual, the fundamental intrinsic value of a Bitcoin is the energy necessary to produce it. I think, in my opinion, the problem with really both sides of this is that the, the problem with it being... The, the fundamental intrinsic value being the energy behind it is that's not actually speaking to the utility for the holder of the asset. And, and when you talk to people who are down on Bitcoin, I think that's probably their biggest problem with it. And so if you compare it to something like gold, which is what a lot of these people tend to point to, gold actually has some sort of uh, intrinsic value to it. You know, we use gold in, in different products in uh, technological products and it can be used for connectors and there's all sorts of things that gold can actually be used for and that is ultimately the intrinsic value of it that's what someone who has gold it can be used for uh, in, in, a, in a fundamental sense whereas a bitcoin you can't really do anything with like that you it's it's really only good as as a uh, as a money as a form of exchange and that's a pretty classic example of something being fiat, is that there's no real intrinsic value to it. And so I think there is an argument to be made that there isn't necessarily any sort of intrinsic value or usefulness to the holder of a Bitcoin outside of its use as money. However... I do think that there is something to be said for it as a, a alternative to our current monetary system and the, the fiat currencies that we have and the dollars and the yen and all these paper currencies and the way that they tend to often get used by governments and just printed and printed and printed and inflation and, and so forth. And so... 
I can understand the argument of those supporting Bitcoin saying that the fundamental value of Bitcoin is its decentralization, its inability to be manipulated in that sense. But that's not the same thing still as it being it being something that is useful that you can take a Bitcoin and go do something with it like you can with gold or silver. Right? You can melt it down and turn it into this or that. So I think there is, I think that's why this debate is so difficult because there are, there are arguments on both sides. So it's a difficult question to answer and I don't know that there ever will be an exact answer. But at the same time, I don't know that that necessarily has anything to do right now with whether or not Bitcoin is in a bubble. Even if a Bitcoin had intrinsic value, I don't think the price of whatever the, whatever that intrinsic value is is fourteen or seventeen or twenty thousand dollars, whatever it happens to be right now. I don't know that that that's the case. So again, I'm not sure that that has really anything to do with whether it's a, in a bubble or not. But again, that's something for for you to decide. So moving on, talking more about bubbles, again from Investopedia, so I'm, I'm quoting here, Investopedia says, a basic characteristic of bubbles is the sub- suspension of disbelief by most participants during the bubble phase. There's a failure to recognize that regular market participants and other form forms of traders are engaged in a speculative exercise, which is not supported by previous valuation techniques. Also, bubbles are usually identified only in retrospect after the bubble has burst. Now, this is where I think we get to start to get into where it becomes a little bit obvious that Bitcoin is in a bubble. Because the question to ask when you when uh, you look at a basic characteristic of bubbles is the, the suspension of dif- disbelief and the failure to recognize that market participants are engaged in speculative exercise in a speculative exercise they're speculating so when you think about bitcoin right now why are people buying bitcoin right are you buying if you're buying bitcoin are you buying bitcoin to then go out and spend and use i would say most people probably aren't most people are buying bitcoin in my assessment right now speculating that the price is going to rise so they, they, they're essentially speculators. Now, there's some true believers, but honestly, what percentage of those holding Bitcoin do you really think are doing so due to true belief versus speculation? I tend to think it's heavy on the speculation side. Now, what makes that any different from when people were buying houses back before the crash assuming as an investment assuming the price would go up and then they could sell that house and make a profit a few years later what's any different than than that and in that case you actually got a real physical house here you're just getting (laughs) what are you getting a digital something so again i think this is the part where it makes it very very clear that, that it is in a bubble everybody buying it is is not everybody almost everybody buying it is buying it as a form of speculation, hoping the price will go up, and at some point they're looking to cash out. And that's gonna be that's gonna be the big thing that when we get into start looking at the stages of a bubble, that is one of the bigger signs as well. 
because those people, those speculators, they will dump Bitcoin at the first sign of a decline. I would, I have some Bitcoin. I would dump Bitcoin at the first sign of a decline. And that's what causes a hard crash to happen is the price starts to fall and everybody panics and they go, oh no, I got to sell my Bitcoin or I'm going to lose my shirt. And everybody starts dumping their Bitcoin. And suddenly now the market is flooded with all these coins, which of course the law of supply and demand determines that then the price will plummet as a result of that. And that's when the price crashes. And so I think that is going to happen. Now, of course, none of that means that Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in general won't succeed long term. Right? The, the housing crash happened. That doesn't mean that we don't have a housing market, that we still don't have people that want houses. Right? It just means that currently it's in a bubble. It also doesn't mean that I think Bitcoin is junk that it's not going to be worth anything. I, I, it's quite the opposite, actually. I I think long-term, Bitcoin, because of the way it's built, the way it's decentralized and so forth, I think those things are important. And it may be a fiat. It may still be a, technically a fiat currency, but it just might be a better form of fiat currency because of the limitations on mining and, and the number of coins that can be mined and so forth. So, again, that doesn't mean that I think Bitcoin is junk. It just means that it still can be in a bubble right now. It can be in a bubble and have long-term viability. Those things are not mutually exclusive. I just personally wouldn't buy it at the price it's at right now. In fact, I'm not buying it at the price it's at right now. I'm waiting. So, that's it's kind of gone through my opinion. I want to talk briefly then about the stages of a bubble because I think this is important for you to, again, continue to analyze Bitcoin for yourself and also be able to analyze other financial assets and be able to see where where a particular asset is at in its bubble cycle and then know what you should do as a result of that. So the first one, the first stage, and again, I'm pulling from Investopedia here. So the first stage of a bubble is displacement. And so displacement occurs, and I'm quoting, Displacement occurs when investors get enamored by a new paradigm, such as an innovative new technology or interest rates that are historically low. Now, a classic example of displacement is the decline in the federal run fund rate funds rates from 6.5% in May 2000 to 1% in June 2003. Over this three-year period, the interest rate on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage fell by 2.5%, 2.5 percentage points to historic low of 5.21% sowing the seeds for the housing bubble, end quote. What, what the hell does all that mean? Basically, the, the, the federal funds rate was lowered to 1% over the course of, from 65 to 1% over three years, which caused the interest rate for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage to fall by 2.5% to a historic low of 5.21%. So it caused the the interest rate that you would have to pay when you went to buy a house to to drop by 2.5 percentage points. Now, interest rates are really heavily tied to uh, consumption versus savings because the, the higher the interest rate, the less likely you are to take out a loan because you're going to have to pay a really high interest rate on that loan. 
And the more likely you are to save and put that into a an actual savings instrument, whether that's a savings account or a CD or some other a stock. And, and the reason why that is, is because the interest rates on those instruments will tend to be higher when the 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 interest rates overall, the funds rate and all that are, are higher. So uh, because you're going to get more of a return from that money that you've put into savings. So when interest rates are high, people tend to borrow less and save more. When interest rates are low, people tend to spend more and save less. That's the way the incentives work. And so by that occurring, it by the, the drop in the, the interest rate occurring, it led people, and specifically the, the rate of a, the interest rate of mortgages falling, it led people to be more interested in buying up real estate because the interest rates were low. And then the, the pricing, the price of housing was continuing to rise because it was in a bubble. So they were going to buy, wait a few years while the price went up. They were paying a low interest rate to cover it, and then they were going to sell. And, and that that was the whole idea. Of course, what started happening is a lot of these people had adjustable rate mortgages and all sorts of <laughs> kind of crazy different mortgages that were out there. And these bills started coming due, and there was a little bit of a hiccup in the market. And all of a sudden, all these people that had three three mortgages that owned three homes that they were speculating on could no longer, maybe they lost their job and they could no longer, or the interest rate, now it was adjustable rate, so it went up, or it was a uh, uh, a, a two-year delayed interest rate, and so now the interest rate was coming due, and so they couldn't pay it, and they started defaulting. And as soon as they started defaulting, it just crashed the whole market. So... Again, displacement it occurs when something happens and investors get enamored by it. Now, that sounds awful familiar when we start talking about Bitcoin. Next step is the boom. So prices rise slowly at first. Again, quoting from Investopedia, prices rise slowly at first following a displacement, but then gain momentum as more and more participants enter the market setting the stage for the boom phase. During this phase, the asset in question attacks widespread media coverage. Fear of missing out on what could be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity spurs more speculation, speculation, drawing an increasing number of participants into the fold. Now, I want to point out here, this Investopedia page is not talking about Bitcoin at all. This isn't a Bitcoin is going to crash article. This is simply defining what the stages of a bubble in general are for any financial asset. Now, it should be telling to you that as I read that, you were sitting there thinking, my God, that sounds exactly like Bitcoin right now. I think quite literally everybody is buying up Bitcoin right now based on the fear of missing out on what could be a once in a lifetime opportunity. That's speculating. That's what's driving up the price not the actual intrinsic value of the asset. So that's very, very telling in terms of whether or not Bitcoin is in a bubble. Third stage is euphoria. During this, during this phase, and again, quoting from Investopedia, during this phase, caution is thrown to the wind. As asset prices skyrocket, the greater, greater fool theory plays out everywhere. Valuations re reach extreme levels during this phase. For example, 
At the peak of the Japanese real estate bubble in 1989, land in Tokyo sold for as much as $139,000 per square foot or more. Uh, That's 350 times the value of Manhattan property. After the bubble burst, real estate lost approximately 80% of its inflated value, while stock prices declined by 70%. Similarly, at the height of the internet bubble in March 2000, the combined value of all technology stocks on the NASDAQ was higher than the GDP of most nations. So the idea behind the euphoria phase is people just say, F it. <laughs> like the, the prices just get crazy. It's, it's not even in reality anymore. And people are still buying it. And, you know, those during the, this phase, again, from Investopedia, during the euphoric phase, new valuation measures and metrics are touted to justify the relentless rise in asset prices. So new valuation measures. I want to point that and metrics. I want to point that out. List. What do you hear when you you hear someone talking about uh, why Bitcoin is 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 valuable? What are some of the things that you've heard? Have you heard network effects? Have have you heard uh, you know it, uh, in terms of utility? and being able to make payments worldwide, etc. All of these new sort of ways of measuring value and all these new sorts of metrics are what people are using to justify the rise in the asset prices and are saying this basically they're saying this is this is the one thing that's different. But quite literally every bubble that's come before has been the one thing that's different. So Again, it's very, very telling when you start to look at what a bubble actually is and you look at what you see online from people and, and what what they're using to justify the price of Bitcoin. It fits very much right into quite literally every bubble that's come before it. The fourth stage is profit taking. So to quote Investopedia, by this time the smart money, heeding the warning signs, is generally selling out positions and taking profits. But estimating the exact time when a bubble is due to collapse can be uh, a difficult exercise and extremely hazardous to one's financial health. So basically what happens is uh, the price gets so high that the smart investors realize... the smart inv- Here's the thing. The smart investors know it's a bubble. And so when the price reaches a certain point, then... They're going to cash out because they want to they want to make sure and, and get their money before the, the, the full collapse happens. And so they're going to start cashing out. And again, to quote Investopedia, note that it only takes a relatively minor event to prick a bubble. But once it is pricked, the bubble cannot inflate again. So all it takes is one player who happens to be holding a bunch of Bitcoin deciding to cash out. The price drops a certain amount, and everybody starts to get into what the fifth the the fifth stage, which is panic. Everybody starts to panic. They start to think, "Oh no, the 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 price of this is going down. I need to sell before I lose all my money." So it only takes something small to to prick that bubble, and then as soon as it does, everybody that's speculating, like I said before, everybody that's speculating is going to start dumping, and. When that happens, again, coins flood the market or whatever asset it is floods the market. Law of supply and demand dictates that the price is going to go down. As the price goes down, more and more people panic. 
more and more people dump and it just that's what leads to a collapse so if you look at bitcoin right now you know you, the fact that it there there's not necessarily any sort of intrinsic value to it even if there is whatever that might be is it really worth the price that it's set at right now i think that's probably the biggest debate everybody's having but uh is it is it worth that price are people primarily buying it as uh, a speculative investment or are they buying it because they are true believers in in bitcoin and and what's the percentage of each of those Oh, do is there smart money out there? Are there big holders of this that are going to start dumping? Or you've seen probably some of the articles about the first Bitcoin billionaires and so forth. How long before those people decide that they want to get their cash, that they want their dollars? What happens when a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin starts to flood the market? I mean, again, I think as you look at this, it becomes obvious. So the fifth stage then is the panic stage. So Quoting Investopedia, in the panic stage, asset prices reverse course and descend and descend as rapidly as they had ascended. Investors and speculators faced with margin calls and plunging values of their holdings now want to liquidate them at any price. As supply overwhelms demand, asset prices slide sharply. So what we've been talking about. Something happens, the 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 bubble gets inflated, the price goes crazy high not tied to the real valuation of the asset uh, at all. Something happens, something pricks the bubble, the price starts to drop a little bit, people panic and everybody starts dumping. The The asset uh, floods the market, the supply overwhelms the demand, and the asset price drops dramatically. So that those are the five stages of a bubble and the questions to ask are again does any of that sound familiar to you and when you look at that what stage do you think bitcoin is at in in that i actually think it's in the bubble phase i don't think we've hit the euphoria phase because um i don't think people are at the point where they've bought in that hard i think some people are are starting to get there I think generally we're starting to get there, but I think people are still cautious. And so it's going to take more, it's going to take more people kind of going all in and, and starting to believe and think, oh, the price of this is never going down. It's going to take more of that before we really get to the euphoria phase. So, and I don't know that that is, means that the price of Bitcoin has to go up, but I do think it has to stay at least relatively where it's at or go higher for a little for it for a while longer before people really start to get into that euphoria phase. I think some of the big players in uh that are in Bitcoin, these Bitcoin millionaires and billionaires are probably waiting for it to go a little bit higher. Uh and really truly, I mean you've heard people talk about a, the value of a Bitcoin being half a million dollars or yeah, half a million dollars for one Bitcoin. I think some of them are are looking to see how close to that they can get. And then when I mean if if the price if if you have people who right now at 10 what 15 20,000 per bitcoin are bitcoin billionaires imagine if the price of that one did go up to half a half a million per bitcoin. Those people are going to cash out. So I don't I don't think we're there yet. I don't know exactly 
what's what it's going to take to get there or not. And maybe we will see, you know, something happen and there will be, I know even today as I'm recording this, there has been a drop, I think of 30% or so, but we've kind of seen that before and it's kind of went back up. So I think it's going to take a little bit more than that for it to fully, to, for it to fully get, to actually get pricked and just crash, but we'll see. But again, in analyzing it, whether you agree with me or not, you know, does any of that sound familiar? What stage do you think it's at? Ultimately, I think it'll crash and then it'll hit a bottom and then it'll more slowly come back. And I do long term, I think Bitcoin will ultimately or some form of cryptocurrency, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't really know yet, but I think it eventually will be the currency we use. I do eventually think we will be on cryptocurrency. Uh, I don't think that there's looking at it. Certainly there's advantages. Gold has advantage, clear advantages over Bitcoin. But if you look at dollars or any sort of paper fiat currency, I don't know that there's a ton of advantages over, uh, of you know regular paper fiat currency over cryptocurrency. I, I'm willing to hear the arguments, but paper is pretty the paper it's printed on is pretty much worthless the coins that we get i mean they're not worth anywhere close to being worth what's actually printed on <laughs> on the 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 currency itself the the value of the metal isn't isn't what the actual uh price printed on the coin is worth so i think it will become the currency i don't know if that's a good thing or not um, and then I don't know if it'll be Bitcoin or another crypto, but I do think long term it will be it will be the the currency that we use. And so with that being the case, you know, even now, even though we're on a fiat system and we have dollars and they're not worth the paper paper they're printed on, literally, having a bunch of dollars right now is still would be beneficial, or whatever currency you have. So. That's not to say you shouldn't ever have uh, Bitcoin or shouldn't smartly invest in it. But I think the, I think it's in a bubble. I think it's going to crash. And I think the, the time to buy is after the crash when it hits bottom. To, where you can get it for really cheap. And then it's going to slowly rise back up as it actually gets start, starts to get accepted by different, uh, different online stores. Or you can use your Bitcoin at the gas station as it actually becomes a currency that starts getting used as a, as opposed to just being a speculative thing. So that's what I'm waiting for. As I said at the beginning, I'm not a financial advisor. This is just my opinion. It's for informational purposes only, not intended to be investment advice, and you should seek the advice of a licensed professional for your investment advice. All right, that'll do it for this episode. If you liked the episode, I'd appreciate it if you'd share it with anyone who could maybe take hearing this or is wondering about this question. I know a lot of people are debating this, and maybe there's something in here that 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 uh, stuck with you or, or impacted you and might impact them. I'd appreciate you sharing it with them. Also, you can head on over to johnmorrisshow.com if you're new to the, the podcast. johnmorrisshow.com, you can find all the subscribe links for Android, iTunes, also now tune in and all that. Also, I'd appreciate if you'd leave me a review over on iTunes. That helps spread the word about the podcast as well. If you go to johnmorrisshow.com, click on the Start Here link. I will give you Module 1 of my PHP 101 course to leave me an honest review over on iTunes. 
And all those instructions are again at johnmorrisshow.com and click on the Start Here link. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.